Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Mount Mountain Westwire football podcast. Uh, what are we calling this, Matt? Championship coaching news preview type deal? hodgepodge t- title game yeah that, <laughs> this is as good a title as any yeah yeah might as well that's official title gonna be on the on the podcast uh mwire.com is the website if you just found us because you were you're wondering what's this mountain West championship football game what's boise state about hey these guys talk about it i don't want to read perfect i'll listen so we hope we don't disappoint <laughs> you folks out there but before matt before we get to the title game stuff we got uh breaking news i guess as of uh tuesday after wednesday afternoon right as of about an hour ago, we're recording at uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time. The third coaching move, not un- not surprisingly, that happened. Mike Bobo out at Colorado State officially. Mm-hmm. And to say if you're surprised, well, you're not following the game, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I've been kind of mulling over both perspectives because I think maybe more so than, than Tony Sanchez and Bob Davey, you could craft a reasonable case that maybe he deserved one more year. Like if you if you look at like the injury luck that the Rams had to deal with this year, you know, obviously Colin Hill's the most uh, prominent name, but you know they they well, lost wait, wait. But Patrick, throughout the year. Patrick O'Brien's been just fine, if not better. I know. I'm just saying, but it took them a, a few weeks okay. to, for them to really get to that level. True. Fair. Yeah, they had some shuffling on the offensive line. You know, they lost Rashad. I think they were lost Rashad Ajayi, if I'm not mistaken. That might be my imagination. But it it wasn't as though it Yeah, he been, played only nine games. Yeah. Yeah, it hadn't been a seamless year, considering some of the people that they were coming into the year counting on. And, you know, I feel like... I, we, I feel like we pointed this out before, but you know, his record in one-score games is... Like you want to say it's unsustainable? Like if I, I wrote it down somewhere and I can't remember exactly. You had the Matt Wells comp, right? Yeah, I think it was eight and fourteen. He had two or three this year, I think, that were one, single with possession games. Yeah, so you know that's the kind of thing like we always talk about it that it tends to regress to the mean, if not more so, from year to year. So you know you could look at the team that's going to be coming back. You know. It's not like it's not like whoever the next head coach is is going to inherit nothing. It's a it's a much better situation than New Mexico, and probably even more so than uh, than UNLV. So, I think it's definitely a, a, an enviable job. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in this job. But if you're athletic director Joe Parker, you better be sure you're making the right move. I assume you listen to it because you do. I listened last night on the train of our tweets. Listen to a podcast ain't playing nobody. You listen yes. to the most recent one. I, I think at timestamp things about twenty five minute mark. They talk a lot about the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. I do like how the uh, him and Richard Johnson, Steve Godfrey, both have heard from Rams fans at some point that he said specifically that Rams fans, which we know officially and for sure on Twitter, that hey, they're not just the best Mountain West team. They're gonna. They're, they're, they think they're gonna be the next huge group of five thing, and we know they're all saying the Big 12's coming in a day now, which I want to say it's laughable, but they're putting money in to do it. It's just success is not there. 
And well, because, I mean, like, if on the cuffs, like, oh, they're going to Big 12. Well, that's not going to happen. However, saying they could be the next maybe big thing in Group of Five, it's not far. It's kind, it's kind of a chuckle, but if you think about it, like, things you pointed out, it's not too far if they pay their coach, new stadium, players coming back. Bob or Mike Bobo did great recruiting. If a new coach could come in and recruit 80, 80% of that level, but then also improve the defense and have better luck, I guess, like you said, mm-hmm. this, there's. Rams have been good in the past, like Sonny Lubbock. There's reason to feel them after WAC titles, Mountain West titles back in the early days. Like, there maybe it's just cyclical, like everything goes, but to, they might. I, I could see if they get the right guy to bring it in. So that's the thing. Like, I think stuff's there to get it, but my the main issue was you're right, luck, losing, sort of luck, but losing one position games being so bad, not the norm, but it's just heading defense, man. That's bit what's been holding them back, I think, more than anything else. I mean, I don't think you're wrong, no. But do you think they could be like the next, like what UCF has done or what Boise State's done, not maybe 20-plus years, but have a four- or five-year stretch where they're a top 15 team, top 20, you know what I mean? Something like that. Okay, well, I'm going to answer your question with a question because being the next Boise State is very, very, very hard to do. I'm not saying 20 years, but I mean at least have a couple-year run where they're in like similar success. Like say they're – but, you know what I mean? But my but my question is, do you think Colorado State can be the next San Diego State? Yeah. Because let's not forget, it wasn't that long ago that the Aztecs were, and I believe this is Bill Connolly's words, you know, they were a hot sleeping garbage. giant. And then Rocky That's Long, well, first, first Brady Hoke and then Rocky Long woke them up. And they've been, you know, if not at Boise State's level, they have been pretty close more often than not. And I think if you're looking for a benchmark to set for this Rams program, that should be it. Yeah, they had that three-year stretch of 30-plus wins. Ten, was it 32 wins or something? 10-plus wins, three straight bowl victories. They beat Houston when they were really good at all of our team um, in Vegas. They beat they smoked Cincinnati Boerstam in the Hawaii Bowl. Didn't they beat another American team in there, too, in that stretch? Uh, I think I'm trying to remember. I think they're 3-0, but I remember those two games. But there's here's the thing, too. like If you can recruit to Fort Collins... That's a pretty good big deal. You're not freaking San Diego on the beach. You know what I mean? You're not hanging out at the gas lamp district having fish tacos. You're in the middle of nowhere where it's cold yeah, during football let's season. Not, let's not knock Fort Collins. Fort Collins is a, is a very nice town. Well, I'm saying weather-wise, like, where would, honestly, where would you rather be? Beach? Or, I'm just saying. I like warm I'm weather. I'm just saying Colorado is very nice. It is. <laughs> so it is. It's, it's just, not like it's a hard sell. If you're from Southern California, it could be. If you're from Texas, it could be. You've never seen snow in your life. And you go out there and you're playing in 20 degree weather, two inches of snow, five inches of snow on the ground. That could be a hard sell. I'm just saying. If you never had that weather and you don't appreciate nature, which I get it's out there, but if you like warm weather, you like warm weather. That that's some that might be the tipping point for some guys. Not every guy, but some guys. That's all I'm getting at. Like there's a distinct advantage, San Diego and Fort Collins, where like just lifestyle. Just staying. Warm weather for me trumps six months of nice weather and six months of cold weather. Just, just remember, Rams fans, this is Jeremy saying hey, this, not not me. Hey, I'm just – come I've, on. I've, I feel been like, to, I've been to your fine city, and I can say hey, that I enjoyed it very much. So have I. I live in Salt Lake, near Salt Lake City where our mountains and so are better despite I never snowboard or ski. Still better. I'm just saying. Better views, I'd say. So you can knock me at that too. But my point stands. Weather's an issue. Like if you like that type of stuff, you like that type of stuff. I'm not going to hold against you if you'd rather go to Arizona over Colorado State because you want to be in the warm weather. 
See, this just seems like a really, really subtle opportunity for me to point out that Fresno is like 90 minutes from the snow. You, you could just come here. There's that too. The oh, no, that's and perfect. And then leave whatever you want. Yeah, you're close <laughs> enough. I digress. Yeah, you're right there. But that's my point. It's like there's – just saying there's – if, but you know, you know what I'm getting at. Like on the surface, it's like going to certain cities. Like I'd rather be here than there. Like me, some kids like the city. Some kids like – that type of lifestyle. They like warm weather. They like cold. It's like, it's like anything. I'm just pointing one thing. There's better food here or there. I'm just saying like, there's a reason I remember a story. I'm going to go off topic here for a minute just because. So talking about, um, oh, what is it? No, it's, uh, oh shoot. It's some guy at the Chicago bulls. I forget who it was. I think it may have been, was Tyson Chandler with the bulls when he came out of high school a long time ago? Yeah. So there's a story. I, I don't, I think he's from Southern California. We played high school basketball. So, there's cities like it can look maybe Chicago is different than other places, but if it's cold and and it looks too, it can be super sunny. You're inside, you're comfortable, whatever, whatever. Looks nice and great outside, but it's winter time. And you never been that weather? He ran outside one time like a tank top and shorts. Was freaking out because it looks great and sunny outside, and it's like 45 degrees. So I'm just saying that's uh the, the weather's a thing. Thing there's a reason if you're recruits and you go and you're from that cold places like Laramie and Fort Collins. They may not always. They want you out in September, maybe in October. Not necessarily a Thanksgiving weekend game where there's ice on the field. Well, I mean, speaking of Laramie, I think if you're thinking about recruiting, one thing that the next head coach might want to do is figure out how to keep teams like the Cowboys from coming into Colorado and taking players from you. where there's very few players that are D1 level. Well, but yeah, I mean, it's not like a, I don't know, like a North Dakota or something like that where there are no prospects. But yeah. Best so what are they what like where would you maybe we should, this would be a good thing we could have done well maybe we'll do it soon before coach is hired like if you look at all the places to play we kind of touched on before within the conference like what level of coaching gig is this at because they've been able to get mike bobo from the sec before mcelwain worse was he at mississippi before alabama Alabama, I don't right? that off the top of my head i think he's alabama oc as well right i believe it was something like that somewhere in sec so they've been able to bring in coaches who have had fairly high resumes outside who could have probably had other coaching jobs if they really wanted to, but they wanted that first gig. Where do you rank like, this position as a, as a program, like to be the coach? Obviously, Boise's at the top because of what they've done overall. Anybody, Not anybody, but they could bring in a decent coach and probably still keep marginally level of success. Like where would you put this that position for CSU? Like we mentioned facilities. They're, they paid Bobo quite well. Like, where do you kind of think? Are they top three job in the conference? Like, if they, not saying that things work out, but like attractive wise, if all twelve jobs open tomorrow, yeah, there we go. That's what we want. That's what I'm looking for. A long way of saying it. Where would you put the? Where would you slot the Rams? Top four at worst. What's better than them? Boise State. Let me guess. I'll, you go with yours. Do you have? I guess you have a four in mind since you're on it. I would say um, Boise, San Diego, and UNLV. UNLV. If every like, even knowing what the programs are currently, you would still put UNLV a top three job. Those are three programs that have shown that they are willing to put in the money, both on and off the field, to find to to find and or and or create sustained success. Is your tiebreaker for UNLV CSU weather? <laughs> no, I mean I think I'm just saying. Raider I mean, I Stadium. Think, you maybe. know, some of some of it is the market. Yeah. I think, but again, I think a lot of it is the facilities and the fact that, like I said, they put their chips into the middle of the table to try and make this work. You think it's better than Utah State, who's also upgraded Maverick Stadium and things? Yes. Okay. Just I, I'd be 
Three. I'd put them pretty. I could see if I'm. I, I could make an argument between three through five, like for CSU, and I, I like your order too. Like three, four, five. If all things open, where'd you want to go? It would be, I think, your mix of UNLV, CSU, I'd add Utah State. I can make an argument for any of those would be number three. But I think Aztecs and, depending on the new stadium, that could be an issue. Maybe I could argue CSU too, but uh, probably not. So let's get to this real quick. They had the buyout issue. It was, what, $5 million officially if he was there, if he's fired before January 1. That's been dropped to, was it 1.8 now? 1.3? Shoot, I have yes, it in front of me. Yes, it was 1.8. Why do you, how do you think that happened? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know exactly how the negotiating tactics work, but you, know, you got to make sure you're getting at least a little something for stepping aside. Yeah, I. Well, no, I'm not saying. And, I'm and not the, saying they, get a, they can afford it too because they have. They probably have a little bit of that money stocked away from when they uh, got the buyout money from Jim McElwain going to Florida. What What makes it interesting because it's going to be offset as well. Remember. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering. I, I don't know. It's It's a good business move because here's the thing: they weren't going to wait until. Um, January 1 went dropped down to only three or three something. So it would have dropped a little bit. I'm guessing it, I, here's the reason why it's that low because I, it makes a million, a ton, a ton of sense because any job and like his job will be offset by because there's all the rumors. Like even before he was fired, it was um, saying he's going back to going to SEC, like South Carolina or back to Georgia. Mm. So if he, if it's one point, what was he at? 1.8. Uh, yeah. So if it's one point eight, he gets an SEC job. Say, let's just say he does go to South Carolina or something, or back to Georgia. Like Rams may end up paying him nothing. Like they may pay him because typically it's a monthly payout. They may pay him a month's worth of a salary. Mm-hmm. Like if he gets a gig, that's a five hundred thousand dollar deal, which probably low for SEC, but a four year deal, two million. Like they'll owe him nothing. So why would Bobo take that? Just to be nice. I don't know. I'm just curious. It's just kind of odd because that's a great negotiating skill by Joe Parker there to get it that low. It's just, uh, it, don't you think it's kind of peculiar? Yeah, not really. Oh, okay. So you're just saying Boba's a nice guy like uh, Mike, uh, Gary Anderson who gave up all that money at Oregon State when he left. I think he's going to end up on his feet and he's going to be fine. Do you think that's why? He's like, I don't want to drag this out, just get it over with? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's fine. So... What name we um, do we have any names that have looked up to it yet that um, that we've that have come out about it? We do have a list. Our one of our CSU guys put it out there. Uh, I don't know if uh, any names on the list uh, from our guy is the same as the lists I have been seeing elsewhere. What have uh, you been seeing out there? I'm trying to. I think it was Kelly Lyle who put it out there. I can't remember all the names off the top of my head, but there were a lot of uh, a lot of guys with former CSU connections. One that I can remember off the top is uh, Tony Alford Mm -hmm. at Ohio State right now. Mm -hmm. That would make a ton of sense because he was a running backs coach, All-American at CSU. Um, He interviewed for a job in 14, but they wanted more experience out of there. He was at Notre Dame, Ohio State, associate head head coach title, I think, believe, at Ohio State. And he's coached, you know, as just Ezekiel Elliott, Mike Weber, and J.K. Dobbins. No big deal, right? <laughs> it's not bad at all. Here's this, this is a list from The Athletic. I'm looking at here just from who is it, Bruce Feldman probably, or maybe Chris Vanini. Yeah. Here's some names he mentioned, like uh, they're willing to pay big, which is a huge deal. Um, let's see who they have here. Nick Rolovich, which I don't – do you see him leaving Hawaii? If they but, pay him enough, why not? <laughs> is that what all it takes for him? Show me the money sign and they'll be out of there? Does, is, is it ever any different for any head coach that has ever existed? No, but if you're winning well and you're getting paid enough, 
It's also, again, dude, you're in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, but you're also underpaid. Sure, yeah, yeah. What is he, what's his salary right now? He's, uh, I, don't, I wish I had it up, but not, I don't know. I don't have the database in front of me. I'm nearly certain he is the lowest paid coach in the Mountain West. Was he paid lower, less than uh, Bob Davey? I think so. I don't, like I said, I don't have that in front of me. I'll look to the as we get going here. I'll get the, I get the salary here in a minute. But what name? People after you with the um, good old uh, Fresno State search, Morgan Scali of Utah. Mm-hmm. So here's what that I want to talk about that really quick because I think he'd be a great head coach anywhere. I see some guys here in town talk about like, oh, he's going to be the. There's rumors to be head coach in waiting. Matt, does that ever work? Really? No. And if I think if I think CSU could be if they I think Tony Alford's your number one choice. That make the most sense. But like if they wanted to get a defensive guy and they go with the Morgan Scali, it's like that's I think that'd be a great move for them because their defense is terrible and needs to be better. And they would. They wouldn't necessarily have to pay him a ton, but they could pay him enough to say, well, is Utah going to pay him over a million dollars to be their coordinator? Probably not. And then also, me as a Utah guy, do you want your next head coach after this amazing success where it could be a playoff run and Woodingham leaves in five years to be a guy who's never been a head coach anywhere? And you would get questioned about, is that really your defense? Like, wouldn't you want your coach, like, say, to go somewhere else and come back? And so that's why so, I think. So here's the thing about that, though. He's been a like a position coach at Utah for a lot longer than he's been just a coordinator. Yeah, I think he's two years as a coordinator. I think two or three, and he's also a Broyles Award finalist this year. So I tend to think that that kind of that kind of conversation, at least as far as Scally is concerned, is overblown. What do you mean? Like, you know, is it his defense or not? I'm pretty sure he's had an active hand in. Oh, a I lot know he does. Defenses but I'm just saying, capacity or another. People in general, Woodingham's been there for 15 years. It's just his defense. He's just running it. I don't think that's the case too much, but I think that'd be a great hire. You got Danny Gonzalez. I don't, he's he's going to Mexico, right? That's going to happen. <laughs> You're to the ground. That's what uh, everybody's what I've been reading anyway. Yeah, like a couple of these names. Like you have uh, Penn State OC Rick, Ricky Rain. I guess mm-hmm. okay, cool. I don't know. Whatever. Marcus Arroyo, Oregon offensive coordinator. Maybe. Todd, do you want Todd Graham? No. <laughs> Maybe for like two years. And then when the Colorado job opens up and Mel Tucker somewhere else, I'll go to Colorado. There you go. <laughs> uh, Mark Helfrich, uh, that would be interesting. Oregon OC, for current Bears offensive coordinator. You but, really want the guy who's running Mitchell Drupal? Oh, wait, never mind. Ground. Hold on. I, I ret- retract. I think in Oregon, first of all. He, he's Chip Kelly. Learning from Chip Kelly didn't go well. I don't know. Butch Jones doesn't excite me. I don't know. What well, one name I think Jim for a while the throughout there was, uh, was Billy, Billy Napier, the head coach at Louisiana. Ooh, there you go. Who this Saturday, if you're looking to get a sense of what uh, he might bring to the table, go watch the Sun Belt Championship game. They're playing a good App State team. Yes, they are. All right, so let's move on from CSU Rams. We spent 20 minutes on this thing, and I don't think people tuned in for that. <laughs> right? Maybe not. No. Hey, who cares? We give you what you want. We make you wait for the title game stuff, which is not coming up yet. Um. One quick coaching thing, Graham Harrell to UNLV, maybe? Possibly, possibly. Didn't I, isn't that the name I mentioned like last week or something? I think it is, yeah. Hey, how about people, how about you listen to me? Also, it was a shot in the dark and I thought it was a good hire, but luckily it looks to be the case he might be out there. UNLV's another job real quick, they'll pay a lot. Uh, I think we've talked enough about UNLV, Matt, but we think their offense has enough guys back where Harrell could be the right guy to make their offense actually work well with who they have. Mm-hmm. Or actually, pretty good, I'd say, right? Yeah, I think so. So, all right, so nothing about New Mexico. Danny Gonzalez, probably the job. So, do you want to do anything? All, let's talk about the all conference thing really quick. Is that cool? Yeah. We did our all, all conference. You 
dutifully put it together, spent all the time, sent out the Google Forms. Um, do you like what we did? Uh, when everybody else is mad, you can you can kind of look at it and say that you did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, the weirdest thing, Donald Hammond, player of the year, mm-hmm. not first or second team quarterback. You're gonna have to talk to everybody else. About where, where did you where did you rank Donald Hammond? First team quarterback. Did you put him first team? Yes, I did. I think I was the only person who did. You were. I was close. Here's the reason why I did it. I put him second team for those who are wondering. He ended up being third team because you went back into the third team list because we actually had players tell us, hey, what's wrong with your list? We had third team? Eh, it's about the same. And if you look at the official Mountain West media, eh, it's about the same for those UNLV guys that are or people saying UNLV's offensive line needs to be better. I'm like, well, just saying. But I put him second team because – it is, a, it is a weird situation to put him at, right? Because while well, he is a quarterback, he's a running quarterback, which shouldn't diminish what he's done, right? I went with Josh Love because... I'm just going to point out again, he may have had the single best season in conference play, especially, that any Air Force quarterback has ever had, and maybe just in the entire history of the Mountain West Conference, and nobody noticed. Hey, I noticed. Who did I call the breakout player of the year? Or last year, late last year, before the season even ended. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. He's got. A, he ended up with a quarterback rating of nearly 200 on the season, and in conference play, that number shoots up to nearly 250. Yeah, actually, it is 250. It's 254.44. I don't think anybody understands just how ridiculous that is. So was I wrong to not put him first team and put Josh Love? He averaged 16.2 yards per attempt in conference play. I know. I I, I don't. He got my player of the year vote, so that's enough, right? He got robbed and, and Gerard Sanders got robbed. Me, oh, hey, where did you put Gerard Sanders? I'm curious because we're going to talk about our balance. Oh, I had him first team. Okay. I put him second team because I liked what he did. He was amazing. I just felt quantity-wise the Hawaii guys just had to put him above above him. It was a close pick for me to put him in that last spot for the first team receiver. Come on, it... I'm just I'm just saying the dude averaged nearly 30 yards a catch. I know he did. That's why I put him second team. Volume matters to me a little bit, a little bit. Also, you know what's even worse? Which we, people get mad at us about it. Um, Air Force didn't submit Donald Hammond for all league by the media that covers each team specifically. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Because we also had some, I don't get that too. We had some guy on our Facebook that messaged us about some stuff about Air Force on our list. I'm like, okay, whatever. Sorry. Nobody's going to be happy. We don't vote by probability. Come on. that's I don't care about that. We're talking about college. But, like, I get what Brett Brigham was saying. They put out their best. They put say, here's our guys out there. Like, these are exclusive list of a handful of guys they put to vote for, so it means more. But how do you not put, a, put your quarterback on the list who's, like you said, look at his amazing numbers he had. I no idea. I mean, you can't see it, but I'm shrugging. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can feel it through the airwaves here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna point out though, regarding Gerard Sanders, uh, nine of his 29 catches went for 30 yards. I know. I'm sorry. I put him second team. What do you want from me? I'm just first saying, team. That dude balled out all season long. Oh yeah, and Ben Waters had, I think it was he had eight of his 25 catches go for 30 yards. Did you put Ben Waters on your second team list? I, I couldn't quite justify it. Why not? Hey, look at the average per catch, man. Come on. I'm just. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, 20 catches, 646 yards, 32.3 yards per catch, and seven touchdowns. It was it was good. seven touchdowns yeah. on 20 catches. Who was he? That's Austin. All I'm saying. Was he Austin Fort from a couple years ago at you at Wyoming? No, he was he was <laughs> better. better than that. I mean, just in that. I just the first name I thought of that was like almost a cut te- cut ah, catch per TD. Okay, another a couple quick things. I want to run through this really quick between ours and the media. Um, we put we got some blowback because Troy Calhoun didn't get coach of the year. We picked Brian Harson, which here's I've talked about this before. There's a reason, like Bill Belichick, um, what's it? Oh shoot, Phil Jackson. Like they don't win coach of the year too often because typically if you have the best talent, you're usually the best team, right? You're usually going to win regardless. Doesn't matter. So. When Rolovich or when Brian Harson goes to three quarterbacks, and he still goes undefeated in league play, I think he earns a job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was shocked as Nick Rolovich for the the rest of the official one a little bit. I mean, the, I mean the narrative case is there. I think it just depends on how much you want to buy into competing narratives. Because, like you said, the the degree of difficulty for an eleven and one team is a little higher than you would have anticipated going into the year with all the injuries. Yeah. You know, obviously the quarterback's the most notable ones, and, yeah. but you know, he lost guys like Deandre Pierce, mm-hmm. the offensive line had some shuffling going on. Uh, you know, Robert Mahone missed some time. So mm-hmm. they found a way to navigate all of that. Yeah. It's, that's why I put them like had Brent Brennan got six and six, he'd be my coach of the year in heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Did not, but I can make the argument for Troy Calhoun five to ten wins. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. He probably had some votes, but it's I just felt the best coaching job was him, Harson. But I don't know. You know what I was surprised by? What? Cole McDonald? No, no, no. Did you notice that the ballot was different? For the official media one? Ours or theirs? No, there, the media's. Oh no, I didn't look that close as busy to what was different about it. So for those of you who who may not have paid too close attention in the past, it, every year, I think, going all the way back to 2000, it was always you know quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers. They picked three wide receivers? This time around, they picked three wide receivers. What did they change and what was removed? Uh, nothing. They so, just added, they added a third right. receiver. What? I like, to say, I like to think Come on. that they were inspired by us. Yeah, definitely, but... Because they, they they found room for Trey Walker, which by the way I was very surprised that our staff didn't vote for Trey Walker first team. Yeah. Just, just saying. I think I had him first team. Did I? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't uh, have the individual balance. I'm just me. But I thought it was very interesting that they decided to make that addition, and then also on the on the first team defense in particular, they had five linebackers. They did one, two, and, three, and four, five, five defensive linemen. What is this? Is were there ties? Maybe could that be it? I would guess that's probably the case. Because why would you make a fourteen-team defense? <laughs> I don't know. That, that that has to be the only way. That makes sense. Like that's it. Um. Also, here's the reason why. Really quick, the here. Do you think? Let me ask you this real quick. Because we need to get to the title game here. That's what people came for. I think. Hopefully, if, if you like this, we love it too. Um, David Woodward. How did he make first team All Mountain West? Because he absolutely balled out when he was healthy. Did you vote for him? I did not. But Me I too. See, I did not I either. I can see the argument. I can understand the argument. So I wouldn't question anybody who decided to vote for him. It's just, you know, for me, the calculus tends to be... You got to play. I, I mean, I, I tend to favor guys that are 
that play and are productive. That's why I didn't but vote I for Jamal Hicks either. I didn't vote him because he missed. But it was games. just, but it was just like you know he played at such a high, high, high level when he was on the field that mm-hmm. you know even without you know what he missed the last four games it was four or five he missed yeah, the, he, he left the BYU game right I yeah I mean he still he still finished like 11th in the conference for example in total tackles yeah and he had 13 per game I believe yeah so and, and that doesn't even account for all the other things he did like forcing fumbles and you know picking off a couple passes or you know whatever whatever else he ended up doing he did a lot you know he had five tackles mm-hmm. for loss before yeah, he, he before he got hurt so I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that he got the recognition that he probably deserved before he got hurt. Let me ask you this as we have the Woodward. Um, if Donald Hammond was on the ballot, do you think he'd have been second team quarterback at least? I, I think he would have been, but I think he should have been first ballot because okay. that's how I voted him. Well, I know you. But, so um, I wasn't a fan of Cole McDonald getting second team for either of us or the official media one. It's the same, I can make the same argument for David Woodward. He played half the time two-thirds of the time because you're benched for inefficiency, how can you be that good of a quarterback? For reward, uh, let me rephrase, for awards purposes, not, we know he plays well in the field, but if you're getting pulled here and there, do you deserve to be that type of player? That recognition? That's a very good question. What do you say? Well, did you vote him? I didn't vote him on first or second team. I, I don't believe that I did now, but here, but conversely, you know, what do you, what do you, how do you account for that versus when, you know, Chevin Cordero gets yanked. He comes in and he balls out Same. because he did it. He did that a couple times too. Yeah, but my point is, you're not you're not the guy. It's like when's a part time player winning like Heisman or something big? Not this Heisman. I mean, like when's a part time player? That's unfair to say part time player, but a player who gets yanked and doesn't start. The last time it was due to he was being sick, so I get that. But I mean, you, you, pull... you say that, but he was still number one in the conference in completion percentage. Number in one, touchdowns. Number yeah. one in touchdowns. Yeah. I'm just saying, I want a guy who's up there all the time. I want a guy who can trust it. Rolovich wouldn't trust him or couldn't trust and, him. And, oh, by the way, number two in overall passer rating. I get it. it. I get it. But when your coach doesn't trust you, should we trust you? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Any any other last thoughts on this, on the all-conference thing that kind of stood out to you? Not that I can think of, no. All right. Um, time for the game. You guys survived. Half hour. Time to get to the game. So well, unless you just unless you just fast forwarded until you heard the phrase championship game, in which case, you know, thanks for sticking around anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's where I get the title. It's like you're at the beginning, save it all time. So the title game this weekend, Saturday afternoon, four PM Eastern, two Pacific, or two Mountain. It's a it's a ten AM Hawaii kick, so get your breakfast out there. What do you have for breakfast here in Hawaii? What's a traditional Hawaiian breakfast? Do you have any idea? I've never been to Hawaii, I don't know. Me neither. Maybe we should go one day. I would imagine it's probably like regular stuff, like bacon and eggs. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just curious. It's like just a, just a lot more expensive. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, hey, unless you get your own eggs, the egg farm, the chicken farm out there. But as for the game itself, Boise State ranked number 19. We'll talk about that in a second. Actually, maybe we'll hold off on that for another thing. But Boise State's a 14 point favorite. 65 over under is the point total. Rematch, which was closer than than. The score was not as close as indicated because Hawaii scored 16 fourth quarter points because I was put in my place when I mistakenly did that. 59-37. You put out, or we're putting out our top 15 kind of most important ranked players. Mm-hmm. I saw yours, but I don't recall who it was, but it's a good one. Who was your number one player, like the most important player for this game? So 
I, I, when you sent out the original email, you were like rank 15 best or most important. And so yeah. when I did my own rankings, I, I went saw, by most important. I saw that, which maybe it was a mistake on my part to have two different criteria. <laughs> and to me, the number one most important player in this game is Miles Reed. Running back for Hawaii. Yes. No. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, I'm thinking. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know why I was thinking something else. I should just let because, you talk. Go ahead. <laughs> because if you, if you go back and you look at that first game and you can actually find the condensed version on YouTube. They ran the ball pretty well against Boise State. The problem was that they did get off to a little bit, a little bit of a slow start when it came to doing that because they only ran the ball four times in the first quarter. They threw it ten times, mm-hmm. and you know in the second quarter they threw it thirteen times, ran four times. So most of the damage that they ended up doing was actually in the second half. But when you look at what they were able to do at the end of the game, they averaged nearly six yards an attempt. And it wasn't like Boise was doing a lot of disrupting either. You know, if you know Curtis Weaver had a fairly quiet game, he was the only guy on the team with a tackle for loss. He no had sacks you know, either. two Nobody TFLs, had sacks. no sacks. You know, Chase Atada had a fairly quiet game. You know, all the other guys in that front seven had a fairly quiet game. So I'm thinking that if Hawaii changes up their game plan, because you know. I think that they have the advantage on the offensive line. True. If they want, if they commit mm-hmm. to lining up and trying to punch Boise in the mouth, I think there's a very good chance they could do it, because they showed in they showed in the first matchup that they could contain that front four, like they've been a sensational whole offensive line all season long. Like you look at a lot of the, the advanced measures, you know, obviously they're a top ten unit when it comes to sack rate allowed. Um, which we'll get to in a moment, but when it comes to running the football, you know, you look at line yards per carry, for instance, they're 20th overall in that front, 2.84 yard line yards per carry. You know, they're 15th in opportunity rate, mm-hmm. above 50%. They're 22nd in power success rate, so they don't get pushed backwards. And in in a lot of that respect, they have the upper hand on Boise's offensive line, which, again, we'll talk about that in a moment. They've been every good, every bit as good in their own right when it comes to running the football. Let's not forget what really killed them in that first matchup was just Turnovers. so many killer mistakes. Yes, fumbles. You know, and again, McDonald didn't have any interceptions, but he wasn't exactly sharp throwing the football too. He basically threw them out of the game before halftime. So I think if they are looking to hedge their bets and really lean on the ground game, that's why I think someone like Reed, who you know very quietly has kind of spearheaded the number one rushing attack in the entire conference. And yes, you can look that up. Hawaii is number one on a per play basis when it comes to running the football. That's why I think that he, or actually, no, he's not just kidding, but, <laughs> but they're, but they're up there. Actually, no, I take it back. They are, they're ahead of air force. Uh, I just had them sorted. So that was ah, my bad. Gotcha. But you know, this is a guy who went out and you know, led the team with 800 yards. He averaged over five yards, carry seven touchdowns. But he didn't really have much of a role the first time around. And so I think that if they decide to turn to him, he only had three carries in the first game. I would be very surprised if he doesn't touch the ball 15 times at least in this matchup. Is that the big difference between that game and this game? Because besides Boise State having Jalen Henderson, who did play, it'll be a second time seeing that defense, which will be huge, assuming he's a starter again, which I guess all signs point to that. Yeah, because it wasn't really until after the Air Force game that Reed started seeing a larger share. Like, basically after the midpoint of the season, 
he's touched the ball at least 10 times. You know, most recently had 10 carries for 92 yards against Army. I'm not expecting him to do that. Nah. But if he's the guy at the tip of the spear and that line is pushing Boise State's front and, and forcing them to get, you know, four or five yards per carry, you know, you don't want to get into a position where you're constantly throwing not only on third downs, but like third and forever. And that was something else that they really had themselves at a disadvantage on the first time around because you look at the third downs they were dealing with in the first half of that game, you know, the first one was third and six, and then they got called for a false start, which you know pushed it back to third and 11. And then they also had a third and 24, where they all they did was run a draw play. They had a third and nine. They had a delay of game on third and 10 that became third and 15 that they were actually able to complete, but they were putting themselves behind the eight ball so often that it's really hard to imagine them doing that again. I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Because with this Hawaii team, you just never know. It's true. Um, I is it okay? So talk about this stuff with the, what their running game, offensive line stuff, Henderson, all the stuff you just mentioned. My important, like I'm looking at my important player real quick, just because I'm wondering. I I debated that list I put out there. I'm like, should I do best? I put Curtis Weaver number one because he had no sacks which they didn't need him to get the win, but I think he's probably the best player out there. But I could say this for Boise. It might be George Helani as well because he hasn't been running the ball all that well up until the past month. Like he wasn't – let me see exactly what he did that game, but he is a he had a reasonable amount, 74 yards. So he had a pretty good game, but it's not like he was explosive. Like his 100-yard games weren't a ton this year. He did come on at the end where he had the 142. Like he opened the season pretty well for Florida State. But then like – here and there, it's like, oh, I'm looking at the wrong guy. Sorry, I apologize. I look at Robert Mahone. Ah, what, Matt? You know what happens to get too many tabs open? You mess up. I forgive you. <laughs> but I, I clicked on there. My point still stands. I saw his 64 yards touchdown. Like they ran well, but with him being kind of running as what well, kind of as well as he had lately. I don't know. Why I had to run game up. Like he only had 42 for CSU. He had like the Utah State game 178. San Jose State. He's had the past month outside of the Wyoming game, and I guess CSU. I would say for sure, he's been pretty good. Like his reason he almost had a thousand yards. Like he might be the guy where you want him to be better than he was in the first game. Like get him a hundred yards. Like the combination of Boise and Robert Mahone last time, Henry, like we had the guys running the ball. I know Bachmer had about twenty something yards. QBs had about fifty. But they need Halani probably to be somewhere for Hawaii. Those might be the running backs might be the best two players in each team or the most important players from each team to win. I think Boise I mean, can win without him playing well, but I think you're right, Hawaii needs that running game to be able to beat Boise, keep him off off track a little bit. Well, and to your point about Halani, and I think Robert Mahone would probably still have something to say about how this game unfolds, Mm -hmm. is that for as good as the Warriors' offensive line has been, their defensive line has been really shaky by a lot of the same metrics I just talked about a minute ago. You know, you look at Hawaii's defensive opportunity rate, how often they're letting opponents get to the second level. They're 121st nationally. You know, they're letting opponents get to that second level 53% of the time. You know, in short yarded situations by power success rate, they're 118th nationally. They don't really get into the backfield and disrupt because they're 126th by stuff rate. So they're not really stopping plays at or behind the line of scrimmage. So it wouldn't really surprise me that if Boise State wanted to come out and do the same kind of thing, maybe not put too many, too much responsibility on Jalen Henderson or 
I'm assuming Jalen Henderson's going to start because the depth chart still lists him as QB one, but whoever ends up under center, yeah. if they, if they want to do a little bit of ground and pound to really set the tone in this game, that wouldn't surprise me in the least because you know, between Mahone and Holani in that first matchup, like you said, they had 26 carries and they averaged well over five yards carries. So why not run it back and do it again? You know, for all the numbers that we threw out a, a couple minutes ago with how quiet the, the Boise State defensive front was, uh, Hawaii only had two TFLs in that first matchup too. So that's something else worth keeping in mind. Hmm. Well, what? Okay, so we got there's a lot of stuff here. Like this game, like it's Hawaii's a good team. Like I know they got blown out. So I know we mentioned why they could be closer. Like, is is there, are we fooling ourselves? The reason why this should be not be close? like Vegas has a two touchdown line. Are we to believe this would be another blowout? Like we're mentioning reasons why. Here's what Hawaii needs to do. I know Hawaii needs to do more to get the win because it's second time they've lost. They lost four times this year. They are the inferior team in more aspects than not. But like I did my position group overall. Like like we're doing that comp. I put. Um, quarterback, I did put Hawaii better overall because I think that they're you know what he can do. I think would outdo Boise State. Like if they, my my criteria looking at that, if you put your best versus best, like your uh, number one performance versus number one performance, I would take Hawaii quarterback. I would take Boise running back, Hawaii offensive line, Hawaii receiver. Like Hawaii's offense, if they're at their best, it's better than Boise's offense, and it's not that close either, in my opinion. However, you're going up against that Boise defense where almost every edge is for them, right? Well, I mean, it's, we, that's the we've problem. seen, like, though, recently that Boise, yeah. Boise State can put up points when they need they to. They can. I know, especially, but... Especially against beatable defense. That's the we point We saw it here. against San Jose yeah. State. We saw it against New Mexico. And so, you know, one thing that I look at is, you know, I think it's not going to be so much about the stars in this game as much as how well the secondary guys play in this game. So, and when I say that, I'm saying, you know, obviously, you know, guys like, like Cedric bird and John Hightower are going to be, you know, very important, but I'm thinking about the matchups. Like for instance, someone like Jared smart, mm-hmm. who I don't know if we prop him up at all in he the podcast. A, no, I mentioned up. He's one of those guys when they had like the first six of eight games at a different hundred yard receiver. And he's yeah, one or, of those guys at least. Or once. someone like Jason Matthew Sharsh, who actually leads Hawaii with 34 catches in November. That's true. He's doing quite you well. Know, they've, they've got three guys actually in the top four. You can believe that. Sharsh, Smart, and Cedric Bird. Um, so, you know, I look at those secondary pieces like Sharsh and Smart in particular, and I think, you know, if they're going to force Boise out of their base look, you know, all of a sudden those secondary pieces in the in the Boise State defensive backfield, you know, guys like, you know, whether it's Markel Reed, Tarek LaBeouf, uh, or even, you know, guys like J.L. Skinner, Tyreek Jones, not necessarily the big names back there, but those guys who are covering, you know, the little guys in the slot, how well are they going to be able to hold up? Are they going to get the upper hand? Because in that first matchup, Smart only had three catches for 25 yards. He has done a lot more down the stretch, but they did have some success keeping him quiet in that game. I think why is too many receivers like they can't keep them all down. That's when same same thing with Sharsh. You know, he only had mm-hmm. four catches for twenty nine yards. He's been a very active presence, but he, you know, that those twenty nine yards were his second fewest in any game this year. 
And so I, I look at those matchups as being the most important ones because if Hawaii can better exploit those the the way that they didn't really get a chance to the first time around, mm-hmm. because you know most of the attention the first time around went to to Marquis Stovall who had eight catches, two touchdowns, but he's not on the team anymore. Hmm. There's that, yeah. And so I think you know if there's a lot of concern with stopping Bird and Jojo Ward, who by the way, in that first matchup Ward got shut out. He had five targets, zero catches. So if they can turn that around at least a little bit, that I think is what makes the game more competitive. But that was where Boise State had the upper hand the first time around, which is a credit to the talent that they have back there. No, it is. I think that's the big issue. Because I know they can't slow them all down, but they're going to have – somebody's going to break through, but they did a really good job. Like Avery Williams, like his secondary and then also special teams, what's he going to do? Like could that come into play possibly? But one thing I want to touch on real quick because we, we don't need to spend – well, we spend a lot of time on the show. We'll get going here. But – I mentioned earlier, Henderson played, what did he play, just the fourth quarter in that first game? He was a 6 of 10, TD, 82 yards. Mm-hmm. This is the first time he's good. Well, it goes both ways, I guess. So we can, well, yeah, both ways. Hawaii has seen him play in person and seen how he's progressed since he's been the starter the past couple weeks. Is he, how will he fare going up against Hawaii team he's already seen before, the first time? Like, well, who has the advantage there? Like, oh, I've seen what Hawaii's done. I'm playing them again. Like you like what? Who has the advantage on that part? Because it's like when you see like in baseball, like okay, this rookie or guy called up from Double A in June goes off on like a five four and one start, five and one start has a ridiculously low ERA after like his first month or so. But once he gets to swing around the division again or teams again, he's like, oh, maybe he's not very good. Maybe he we figured him out a little bit here or there. Is that something? Yeah, who, I get what you're saying. That yeah. they've got they've got film on him and actually, well, not just film, but actually played against him. Yeah, like do you, how like my I my think it goes both ways. He's played more than just that game, but he's they both seen this player and defense. I'm wondering how big of the play him being more comfort wise. It's like oh, I've already played this team. Not that he's going to prepare any less or any different, but he has a bit more familiarity with maybe some tendencies what this team already did with him a month ago or whatever it was when they played. I mean, I think a lot of that might come down to how much pressure can they get on him. You know, how often are they going to blitz him, I think? Sure. Because if you if you remember his first start against New Mexico, yeah, they won that game big, but it wasn't like he was perfect in that game. You know, he had the one interception. He only completed 54% of his passes, and he had a fumble that New Mexico, they weren't able to do anything with it. But this is an offense that could if they can create those opportunities. That's kind of, that's kind of a big if because it's going to be very hard to, to say that they should commit you know five or six rushers um and leave you know got someone like hightower single covered on the back end or something like that mm-hmm. you know that's where i think again those secondary pieces like you know another guy that we haven't really mentioned that could be really important in this game is cortez davis or even someone like Rogerman ferris the second who by pro, pro football focused he was one of the best cornerbacks in the league this year so is your thought more of a if you think it's a peripheral guy who like I'm trying to phrase this the right way because a lot we can go into this game a bit more about where but so you're saying I get what you're saying like the difference could be some not no name but under the radar guy do you think that's going to be the case for sure or all the stars going to show up like is Henderson have a big game is Solani McDonald Ward uh, Bird all these guys defenders Avery Johnson has a big maybe a punt return or a kick return or a 
pick six or you know, I mean some big play. Is it going to be stars or just these backups who are coming to make the difference? Like if you're going to hedge your bet, I'm not saying backups. I'm saying guys. Well, I mean not backup. You know, I mean like guys talk about. Yeah, like Hawaii wide receiver number four or something because they they get yards and plays, but they're not the main guy. That's what I'm getting. not saying to backup, but I mean like mm-hmm. not the guy you're not thinking of. Like, do you think that's going to be a difference? Like this one guy makes. Like, just to say Boise's linebacker, who's not their stud, makes a big player. So a defensive lineman not named Curtis Weaver gets a strip sack, and it's like his first of the year or something like that. Something like that, yeah. You think it's, I mean, I, th- I think especially if we're talking about how Hawaii can pull the upset, they're going to need those role-player guys to step up and, I don't know, basically play the game of their lives. You think Hawaii has to play perfect to win this game? I don't think they need to play perfect, but they need to definitely play a lot closer to their ceiling than they did the first time around. Yeah. I think for Hawaii to win, here, here's kind of wraps up this way. Hawaii can only have one turnover max in this game to win. I really think they need to stick to one quarterback. If they play both, it's not the end of the world, but I think it'd be best to play one quarterback. You're not doing out Nick Saban putting to a halftime title game winning. I don't think that's going to happen. But we've also seen both quarterbacks. If Hawaii's going to win, they need like a, only one, one turnover max and probably be even overall. And have their offense go, have like a McDonald go for like, assuming he's the guy, which I believe he would be. I don't, who knows? It's just, I'd take a stab in the dark. Still listed as an or on the, on the depth for, chart. Probably from week 10 last year. Okay, so let, let's ask you, let me ask you this then. If it were your choice, if it were up to you, who would you start? <sighs> McDonald is the gunslinger, like I've mentioned all year. He tries to fit the ball in the window when there's a keyhole. He's like the Brett Favre type guy. Cordero seems to be more, le- or excuse me, less erratic. Even though McDonald has toned it down a little bit, I probably would still go with McDonald because I, I think th- that I would too. I think his his running ability might be the slight edge they need. So here's one last thing I want to bring up. Okay, the weather could play a factor too. I thought it'd be like mid forties. Has it changed? This the for the uh, forecast for Saturday, at least for right now, fifty percent chance of rain. Oh no, I did see that. That's right. There could be rain. Yeah. And so if that changes how often Hawaii wants to lean on the pass, you know, if it changes the calculus of leaning on on not only uh, Reed, but, you know, Freddie Hawley, who we didn't mention, mm-hmm. is another one of those role players who could potentially have an outsized impact. The rain could be a factor for both teams. Hawaii don't change. Do not don't change. So? Unless, unless your running game is like it was last week, last time they played quite successful. Because they had, like, almost outside of sacks, I'm betting they're over six-something a play. But also, it was all Cole McDonald running the ball. So it's kind of misleading a little bit when they played last time. He had 54 and five, eight carries. Mm. I would say I would lean, play as you are, unless you're starting early, your running game takes over and is going big. Then rely on that. However, we know in this front shoot offense, there's a lot of option-type plays where McDonald can run or you know what I mean? Run or pass. He has that option to do so. I would think they would have, they were not going to change their play calling too much because they got the, like, look at the equipment they got technology, gloves. They can catch that when if it's like ice outside. You know what I mean? Like, they'll catch the ball. And it's not going to be that cold. Unless it gets to the 30s at sleet, that's a little bit different when it gets icy on the field. But no, don't change unless you're off, unless your running game's explosive and going amazing. Ride what's hot. Why would, I wouldn't want to, don't let the weather dictate what you do. You should dictate what you want to do. And, no, but I get that. and if the running game happens to be going better and a training, yeah, you might lean a touch more on that or maybe safer passes. 
Maybe that's why I want Cordier. If it's, if it's rainy, bad weather, maybe you have Shavon in there instead because he's not going to be as erratic as McDonald. But then again, the game you got started, two picks and you pulled quickly. But for okay, Boise, so same thing, I'd say, right? So let me point out one last, last thing. One last, last, last thing. One last, 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 last thing. Um, penalties. Yes. <laughs> that was another thing in that first matchup. And this is maybe the biggest diff of all that really killed Hawaii. Because if you go back and you look at that first quarter especially, you know, Boise State's first touchdown was helped by a personal foul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their second touchdown drive was set up in part by an off that they were able to force an offside on third and seven. They turned it to a third and two. They converted it and they kept moving into the end zone. Yes. They had their third scoring or a third drive that was maintained in part by a pass interference, a targeting. Uh, yikes bad penalties <laughs> what you're defense, telling me defensive holding <laughs> you know the, hawaii had a drive stall out near the end of the quarter that was you know an unsportsmanlike conduct uh, another holding penalty so um maybe don't do that <laughs> which yeah. is, again it's a huge if because hawaii has 88 penalties all the year they've been averaging seven penalties a game those are also preventable penalties too yeah, so... But also, that game, Boise 11 for 95. They're actually worse penalty-wise that game. Yeah, and so I think that you could you could make the case that they have gotten a little better about it in the last few weeks because mm-hmm. since the UNLV game, they have four, six, and four penalties. Yeah. So maybe they've cleaned that up a little bit, but you know, if we're talking about the overarching ethos behind a Hawaii Warriors upset, eliminate the mistakes. That's basically what this game comes down to. So you're telling me you got to be perfect almost. Like I said, I don't think you got to be perfect, but you got to be close. Is, let me ask one last question. Is Boise going to um, play more than one quarterback? No. They're going to stick with Jalen Henderson? I really don't see why not. I mean, when you look at his body of work, he's, you know, again, we he had a kind of a rough go. Uh, even though they had a comfortable win against the Lobos, but he has improved over the last two weeks against Utah State, mm-hmm. where they didn't really need him to do that much. Uh, and then in crunch time against the Rams last week, against Colorado State, he was nails. And all of a sudden you look up, he's got like, what, nine touchdowns against one interception? Mm-hmm. I don't really see a reason to bench him unless he is struggling very mightily. And even then, it might be really dicey. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, so let's get to pick time because we're going to wrap this up here. Okay. So we mentioned over-under 14. Or excuse me, not the over-under, sorry. The line is 14. I went off my page. Over-under is what, 63? Oh, I don't have that in front of me. I, oh. think, I think he said 65. I'll go 65 because I, I was looking, I had last year's page in front of me. Um, also, Mountain, okay, we'll go through this way. FPI, 89% for Boise State. Pick center, like team ranking number five. It's a 14, yeah, 65. They have, the team rankings has Boise State 38.7 to 24.7, so exactly two touchdowns. Number five predicts a blowout, 43.5 to 24.8 in favor of the Broncos. Boise State's also, it gets a spread this year, only 6-5-1. Hawaii, they are 7-6-0 against spread. If that wants, if you want to take that consideration, man, as you make your pick here. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, that's not helpful. They're both right around 500. I know. What does FEI say? (laughs) That just proves Vegas is good at what they do. Um, FEI likes the Broncos, too. Uh, They favor them by 15.4. 
Uh, Bill Connolly's SP plus also likes the Broncos. Uh, not quite as much, but still a healthy 13.3 point margin, which is a 78% win probability. Whew. What's your pick? I think Hawaii's going to be able to give them a scare. Ooh. But I think if you're banking on the Warriors to win, you're banking them at being very close to 100%. Mm-hmm. To me, that's kind of a bridge too far. I think they'll be able to put up some points. I think they'll be able to move the ball. But when it's all said and done, um, I think they'll cover, but Boise State will hoist the trophy. So I got the Broncos 45-34. to 45-34. I've been going back and forth on my, my score real quick here. I got Boise winning. I don't think that's too far-fetched. We do have a lot of our staff picks out. We do have at least one staff member picking a, a Hawaii to win. And guess what? It's not a one of our Hawaii writers, just so you know. Oh, very interesting. You know, I noticed, Matt, I type in your picture of week. You actually had yours in already. I could have just looked at it and gone there. That's right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Number two behind me. Actually, no, not behind me. I just put mine in now. Um, I'm going to go Boise 38-35 in a thriller. I think Hawaii will be able to score enough points. But I don't, well, here's the thing. I don't feel – actually, no, I'm making I'm – making, sorry, I'm making a change. 38-30. I think Boise will be just good enough. But it'll still be a close game. You know what I don't want, Matt? I don't want to blow out. I want it to be reasonably close, better than last time around. And I think Hawaii can make it close. But, again, they have to be really, really, really good. They can't have any miscues. They can't be, to be like minus two turnovers, be crazy. But I think it will be closer than last time. I think it's I think it's going to be a really fun game. I, that's what I want. I don't want to blow out. All right, real quick before we go, wrap it up now. The CFB playoff poll came out the other day. Me and Raj axed our podcast. He's, he has a blurb we're putting in when I'm talking with Dave Southhorn tomorrow to talk about this stuff as well, again, from The Athletic. Um, we go read Matt's piece, the two loss versus one loss in Seifers Boise State. Also, if you have The Athletic, read Chris Vanini. I tried to get him on. I had some issues with him. I couldn't make it work today. He's surprised it's that close for Cincy. You're surprised it's that close. I think we're all surprised it's that close. Surprised is an understatement. How shocked are you then? You're not surprised? You're shocked? There is nothing in the entire history of the college football playoff, which granted small sample size, but you can go read the article. I basically laid out the entire argument. Yeah. So essentially there have been six games over the last five years where you could look at that particular juncture, so like the weekend before championship Saturday, mm-hmm. to find a team somewhere between like the the, the high teens to like the, the high 20s, more yeah. or less. So like kind of the 12 to 22 range-ish, mm-hmm. you know? Um, one of those teams didn't move at all. That was, uh, I believe it was Florida a few years ago. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, they stayed the same on, after a loss. The majority of those teams, though, and this includes last year's Utah State team, fell at least four spots. And all of those teams, save for last year's Utah State team, had a much better strength of schedule than Cincinnati does this year. Yeah, it's so been laid it out. Does it's not like, make it, any sense yeah. to me why the Bearcats would lose. And it wasn't like it was an it wasn't a close game either. They lost by ten. They weren't particularly threatening the entire time. Why they would only fall one spot? They want drama because reading Chris Vanini's piece, I didn't realize how good App State's resume was. Like you could argue App State if they beat Louisiana convincingly, like in and Boise were to lose Hawaii, why wouldn't App State jump and get that spot over Cincy if they win? Like I mean, I, I mean, App I'm just State, saying 
they're not. I don't think they're. It's better than I thought it was. The they want drama. Is that if if they, one of South Carolina or North Carolina had been bowl eligible, I could see the argument. Yeah, it's closer than I thought. That's what I'm getting at for them. But I don't. Just, th- I don't think they're there. Me the, it just gave me the impression that they aren't. <laughs> Like it's it's not objective at this. They point. moved them up four spots for up, whatever reason. Trying to drum up drama. Yeah, it's like same thing. Like for me in my situation, I'm a Utah guy. Our radio station all talking about Utah coverage just yesterday, so the past couple weeks. It's Utah, Baylor, Oklahoma. Baylor moves up five spots after beating a Texas team that's not ranked. App State moved up four spots this past week for beating whoever they beat in the Sun Belt. Troy, who's not going to a bowl game. Why do they move up four? Why do they move up those spots to twenty one? Why did Baylor move up five spots? I know teams lost that week, and so move up a couple. It's because they're still a pretty good team. But there's they want drama. It's like, this is it. But like reading through the piece, like strength of schedule, for all the fans out there, like, well, our strength of schedule since he's great. But look no, at... No, it's not. No, it's no. Not. Wait, well, no, hold it's on. It's no. not that much different from Boise's. Oh, well, there's two reasons. There's a couple. I was reading Chris's piece. Wherever it's at, there's one strength of schedule where since he has a good edge over most teams because he played Ohio State. However, if you go over strength of record, they're... It's basically what it is now. It's extremely close. Okay. So, okay. So let me let me let me ask you this then. Yeah. Um. um no, I'm not describing just saying what I see now. But I'm, like, compare compare Cincinnati, like Alabama, for instance. Yeah. How is Alabama going to lose to a top 15 team by three points and fall seven spots? And Cincinnati is yeah. going to lose to a team that is I don't know more or less neck and neck with and fall one spot by a larger margin. Drama. It doesn't make any sense. They want drama. That's why. They want people it to doesn't tune, make any sense. They want if people this were to tune any other the year, show. any other situation, they would have fallen out of the rankings, just like the Aggies did last you year. You think out of the rankings? I I was very tempted in my own projections Ooh. because, like I said, three other teams at least that I can remember, and you can go look it up in the article, read it for yourself. Fell out of the rankings from those exact same range. What was was the score differential similar? Uh, in most cases, yeah. Okay. I honestly, I think it's drama. That's all it is. That's what they want. It doesn't make any like sense. Like the American overall, like we'll wrap up real quick. Overall strength of schedule, the American, we can both say they're over top heavy. They're a little bit better than Mountain West, right? But not significantly better. Overall, like when you look at every team just about. But it's like the argument, hey, well, you, Wyoming lost to Tulsa. I'm like, well, yeah. South, yeah, Tulsa sucks though. Yeah, Who but, cares? but, but then they, they go, well, look at that. Well, look at your crappy wins over USF and East Carolina. Or look, USF beat BYU or BYU Boise State. That stuff's garbage. Who cares? Yes, we know what happened. You Congratulations played. on getting to beat up on UConn. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, yeah, beat up on UConn. Barely beat USF. Barely beat these other teams that aren't very good. ECU. Like, if they want game flow, they're having crappy game flow. You know what I mean? So I was less confident. Like, I put the first tweet, like, uh oh, when they're one spot difference. I think the one loss has to carry weight here. Only one loss if the Boise wins on Saturday. I'm going to say, because he made a good point too in Chris's piece, they moved down one spot. I mean, excuse me, moved up one. Think of the other two. Memphis only moved up one spot after beating a ranked team. When Minnesota beat um, Penn State, they moved up five, six, seven spots. I know the ranking difference was huge, but you would have thought Memphis would have moved up for beating a team 18, maybe two spots, right? Maybe three. Mm-hmm. They moved up one. Is Cincy going to beat a team two, who's only two spots higher, two spots above to beat ahead of Boise State if they win? Both teams win. Both teams move up at least one spot that's guaranteed to happen. Are going to give Cincy two spots just because they beat a ranked team? They better not. I'm not so sure anymore. Make any sense? I it's there's a lot of reasons it doesn't make sense. The committee doesn't play by their own rules. If you look at game flow, like they say, Cincy's not great for recently. Boise's okay outside, pretty good outside of the San Jose State game. 
which was a 10-point victory, a lot of points. They came from behind to beat Florida State, which which won a road game situation matters. Florida State's going to a bowl game. That bowl game mounts better. They had more bowl wins. Schedule might be touched better for Cincy, but strength of record, if we played, basically dead heat. And last thing I'll say here, if we both agree, yes, you play Ohio State. Yes, they're amazingly good. Show up for that game at least a little bit, and you're fine. If they would have lost 49-29 with like 20 points, I would have no problem really them being ahead because they scored points on Ohio State. They did not show up and got shellacked in that game. That's my biggest thing. You lose that. I don't care who you play. Don't lose by 50 points. Here's the hashtag, Jeremy. Don't lose twice. <laughs> that's what my, my auto reply should have been that one guy, Navy guy, who where you at? You're ranked cool, but that's my closing argument. Don't lose twice. And if it's this close, don't get blown out too. So had they had it been like, am I far off to say if it was the 17, 20 point loss, they would be ahead without too many, too many questions? I mean, I still don't think so, but. But you'd have a better argument, right? It doesn't make any sense anyway. All right, that wraps it up here. We did an hour on one game and peripheral topics. You're welcome, folks. We're heated. Yes. Really quick, too. This game, Saturday, It's is it one thirty Mountain Time, the the Memphis-Cincy game? That is correct. It kicks off a little bit sooner than the Mountain West title game. So if you have multiple devices, maybe just keep one eye on that. That's it. All right, folks, we're out of here. MWR.com. Check us out on Twitter, MWR, all weekend. We got, we got you covered for it all. So go Hawaii, go Boise State.